Live from the Interaction Media Studio in Morgantown, this is a special edition of Positively West Virginia, the COVID-19 Daily Business Briefing. I'm your host, Jim Matuga. For those of you joining us live on Facebook, welcome and thanks for tuning in. And for those of you listening on the podcast, thanks for joining us as well. We really appreciate you guys. Normally on this podcast, we interview West Virginia business leaders and share their success stories with you and thousands of others each week on iTunes, Spotify, and through our vast distribution network with WVNews.com. Since March 19th, though, we've been bringing you these daily special edition broadcasts, and we're focused specifically and intentionally around this basic question. What can West Virginia businesses do right now to navigate this current pandemic storm that we're all facing? When we first started this podcast in 2017, our goal was to inspire and equip people in West Virginia with examples of real-life entrepreneurs and business owners who've built their companies right here in West Virginia. Quite simply, we want to help West Virginia businesses win. We appreciate the opportunity to tell positive, inspirational stories each week that encourage people to start their businesses in the Mountain State and keep their companies here and make West Virginia stronger than ever before. Of course, you can learn more about our mission at PositivelyWV.com. Every weekday, we're coming to you live with special subject matter experts from West Virginia to help business owners and leaders with practical ideas to use to get you through this storm. Positively West Virginia is brought to you by Insurance Centers, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. Today, I'm very honored to have on the show... Senator Shelley Moore Capito. Just yesterday, Senator Capito was selected by President Donald Trump to serve on his Congressional Economic Task Force, which is part of a bipartisan group that were handpicked by the president to provide counsel on reopening the country following the coronavirus pandemic. And of course, we don't know when that's going to be, but it's going to be soon. I could just assure you that. It's an honor to have Senator Shelley Moore Capito as our guest today. Senator Capito, thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jim. It's great to know that you're there and on, 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 on our normal circumstances, I'll be sure to, to tune in. And I'm glad to know that uh, you're really highlighting the positive things that are happening in the business world in our state. We're all very proud of that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. And I know we have a lot to cover in just a short amount of time. But first off, Senator, I just want to ask you, how are you doing personally right now? You and your family, are you, how are you getting along? Well, you know, that's nice of you to ask. We're doing just fine. I'm sitting here in my kitchen, which has turned into my my office. And uh, uh, the, the, the good news is I don't have to uh, wear my business clothes, so I'm enjoying that part of it. Yes. Uh, the bad news is I don't get to actually see anybody. Our, our children are spread uh, far and wide, and we have been seeing our son who lives here with his two children. Uh, occasionally, we're trying to self-social distance as much as, as you can with a four- or a two-year-old. And uh, and so uh, we're doing fine. We're getting a little uh, little things done in our house. We've been putting off for years. <laughs> I hear that a lot. So that's great. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So well, thank you for for sharing a little bit of that insight, Senator Capito. Obviously, yesterday was a big day. You know, President Trump came out and announced his Congressional Economic T- Task Force, which you are a part of that. What are some of your thoughts as <clears throat> as we think about? And even though it's kind of a moving target when we start to open up the country again to business, what are some of your thoughts right now that that are on top of your mind? Well, it was interesting. We had our first call with the president and vice president yesterday, the task force. Uh, It's Republicans and Democrats, and it was pretty open line. The president was uh, entertained a lot of questions and uh, and answered. We didn't have a lot of disagreement, maybe some uh, 
some areas that might have greater emphasis than others. But one of the areas that we had um, that we really felt like we needed to focus on more is uh, are the testing area. And so mm. hold on just a second. Had something in my throat there. Um, so anyway, uh, and and that this this for a lot of different reasons, and I think it's really relevant to reopening. Mm-hmm. People need to have the confidence. A number one, that if you can get an antibody test that tells you 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 have either immune to it or you've had it, uh, that would be helpful. I think for an for an employee and an employer to know. And yeah. and these tests, the president said in this call are going to be very widespread and very easy to administer, almost like a home administration test. You could you know, give yourself the test. Hmm. So there was a lot of pressing on that. But then there was sort of the counter. Well, we can't wait. We can test 100,000. I mean, 100 percent, because that's we're never going to get that big and broad soon hmm. enough to hmm. reopen our economy. And I think a lot of people feel like uh, and you see some regional packs developing between the states where maybe the Midwestern states that might not be as hard hit as some others can start to gradually reopen, uh, you know, and see how it goes. Because I think the worst thing we could do would be to reopen too quick and then have to reclose. Sure. And that would, I think, really, uh, really shoot in the foot a lot of our small businesses. Yeah, absolutely. So, the, you know, we had similar thoughts in terms of the gradualness, the anxiousness that everybody feels to wanting to go back, but still the wariness of, Where's this virus and I don't want to get it and am I going to get it and, and, and all those kinds of things attached to, you know, the actual illness. Yeah. And I, I can't uh, can't help but think that once, you know, once we are open, quote unquote, uh, again, as a country, it's going to be a ramping up anyway, because there's going to be a, a number of people that just are not going to be. You're going to have those early adopters and say, all right, let's go. I've been pent up so long. I'm ready to go. But then others are going to be very wary. And I, I think some of the folks that are most at risk will be definitely in that category. But uh, that's interesting. And I, I can only imagine the magnitude of the, the pressure that's on your shoulders right now as you kind of go navigate this whole concept of reopening yeah. the country. I mean, it's got to be in- intense. It is intense. And, you know, I mean, I think most uh, public servants, and I put myself in that category, we're kind of we're fixers, we're pleasers. You know, we mm. want people to be happy. Sure. And uh, and uh, it, there's so much uncertainty with uh with what we see so uh and then uh, we have all these programs out here that are designed to help people there's some backlash as to whether some are really helping people or not i'll give you an example on the on the unemployment insurance aspect uh which has the um increased six hundred dollars a week there's some people that have been laid off and then maybe their employer would want them back uh you know they're making more on unemployment for four months than they might in their job or at least the same. Right. And so that's created a problem. And I, I voted to try to eliminate that as a problem, but lost on that. Mm-hmm. So th- those are just small things that are going to impact whether when people reopen, whether they're going to be able to have everybody full bore, or whether they're going to have the business. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, when you're in a business that is people facing, how is that going to look too? Yeah. Uh, you know, are you going to be like the grocery clerk who's behind the screen or are you going to be or are we going to be back to, you know, shaking hands? I, I don't think we will be there immediately. Exactly. But, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, last week I had Steve Bulger. He is the Mid-Atlantic director for the SBA on oh, cover seven different states. And we were talking particularly about the the pay, uh, the paycheck protection program, the PPP, mm-hmm. as everybody's calling it. And, and one of the things that kind of 
came up about uh, out of that conversation was exactly what you just mentioned. You know, I think that that the intent for that program was to keep people on the payroll so that when we hit the, the, the go button, the companies are already staffed up. The people are in place. They don't have to re, you know, and it, we can get going quicker. And is that kind of your thought on that as well? Absolutely. It's the, the point of the PPP program is to keep an employer and employee connected and to keep that small business's head above water um, by, uh, you know, incorporating payroll costs, but other costs like uh, mortgage rent and, and utilities sure. and other that nature. Yeah. So, uh, and that's an eight week forgivable loan and it's been oversubscribed. And as you know, the money has uh, stopped flowing uh, yep. because of uh, politics. But I mean, I'm for putting the money in. I was for that last week. Let's do it. So hopefully we'll get to that eventually. Yeah. What, what, uh, what, Senator, what's your yeah, what's your ahead. take on that? Obviously, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, just within the last. 24 hours, the last 12 hours, the, the, you know, the, the funds ran out uh, on the PPP. Right. So what, what's your position on that? How do you, um, how can we keep, how can we refund that? Or is, I mean, is, do we have to well, go I mean, the whole I, process again or? That's what I'm trying to avoid. I, that's what I think yeah. the best way for us to get this back to the, uh, the status that it was is to simply put more money into it. Uh, and, and it's, when I say some more money, I, you know, we're talking billions, 250 billion more dollars. So we, what we have here is a situation I think that's really hurting a lot of West Virginia businesses because yes. the doors are closed because a lot of people have very small businesses or they might be a sole proprietor. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they maybe weren't ready to apply when it was first, opened and some of the rules for our sole our sole proprietors weren't available. Exactly. So they're now at the back of the line and they're basically getting shut out. Yeah. And people are upset about that. And they should be. Absolutely. Because uh there are people in Washington who want to change the rules. Well, to to have it aimed towards a certain type of business or a certain size of business. Anytime you do that, it gets longer, more complicated mm. when we know this program has been very, very well received. And, and and that's an issue, I think. Uh, so I'm very frustrated by the politics of this. I don't mm. agree with it. And we should have put the money in when Senator McConnell asked last week to quite mm. simply don't change the rules, just put $250 billion in. Yeah. But so far, we've uh, we've uh, met opposition, and I think it's really doing a disservice to a lot of our folks. What do you think the timeline is on that? I mean, will <clears> there be uh, another vote? On, or, I mean, how does that uh, – what does that look like? You know, I, I know we're talking – I know there's a lot of talking going on in terms of uh, – how to get out of this stalemate. I'm hoping that um, cooler heads will prevail and that we'll be able to do this because we're not actually scheduled to go back into session until May 4th. And that's still several weeks away. Mm. And uh, these small businesses, uh, some of them who are getting shut out now have already been disadvantaged for four to six weeks themselves. I don't know how long they can hang on. Exactly. Well, you know, West Virginia, I always talk about the fact is, is that Small business is the backbone of West Virginia. It's a, it's the backbone of America, but in West Virginia, that's really what I focus on. It, you know, and and you think about that, healthcare is you know, and healthcare is at the top of that list. Accommodation and food service, so hotels and, and restaurants, retail trade, construction, those are top like the top four or five uh, mm-hmm. categories of small business, and every one of those has been dramatically 
dramatically hit. It's not pretty right now, you know. And I think about no. that, and 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 those are the folks that are that are really hurting out there. And and, and I, I I appreciate your fighting for us as as uh, small business owners out there, especially the ones who are who are really struggling, the ones that are completely shut down, and their employees are laid off or furloughed, or you know they. I, I mean, I'm seeing just driving down high street morgantown several businesses that have already shuttered and said we're out of business you know it's right i don't think they're coming back and some of those are my favorite places to go and and grab a sandwich or whatnot so i you know i i really appreciate uh you know the the battle that you're fighting on that on that front um you know one of the things that, that i wanted to talk about is um telehealth you know west virginia right. and and we're talking about you know testing and, and, and access to care the healthcare industry has been greatly disrupted and a lot of financial burdens you know in terms of you know kind of preparing for the surge so the census is down there's lots of empty beds in west virginia right now but the problem is when you cancel you know elective surgeries and those types of things you're not generating revenue and so this telehealth thing just came out a few days ago and you were one of the leaders on that can you talk a little bit about that 300 million funding to to kind of get these uh, connected care programs going. I'm really interested in, in that, and I think it's a, a huge thing that uh, needs to get more attention. Right, and and what, what we've done here is we've, we've equalized the payments for a telehealth visit that would be the same as a visit at somebody's office. Uh, so if you need a check, uh, you know, if you can do it by telehealth, by audiovisual that, uh, or, you know, over the internet, that, that that can help you. And actually, I had two like real life examples of people that I saw uh, just this week who told me that they had done telehealth visits. One was um, with an allergist hmm. uh, and, you know, describing the symptoms and then something was prescribed uh, to that person. And, and you they did it all over the the phone and it, it lasted, you know, not very long and, and to every, everybody's great satisfaction. There's also mental health counseling that can occur uh, uh, by telehealth, uh, which is, I think, uh, very, very valuable and behavioral health counseling that can occur. I talked with the behavioral health practitioners in our state and they said that they've been using more telehealth and they, they said, you know, actually, uh, we're having uh, some some a little bit better success with certain types of patients uh, with the telehealth. Uh, they're you know they don't have to rely on transportation or hmm. on somebody else to bring them in. And and so th- I thought that was interesting. And and so you know our problem with telehealth is the same problem we have with everything, and that is connectivity. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, so, but but I think telehealth really has a has a huge benefit. You can connect with specialists. You can uh, you can do it sometimes uh, at, at odd at different hours than regular office hours. Uh, you could participate in group counseling if that's what you need. If for people who are in addicted situations, it can give you a continuity of service. Mm. Uh, and so that's what we're seeing across the state. But we do still have disconnectivity issues, which sure. are hurting us yeah. uh, from that and education and, and the ability to telework. Absolutely, I think that's going to be one of the opportunities for West Virginia as we evolve out of this uh, crisis mode that we're in uh, in the in the months and year next year to come. I think is right. going to be this real focus on broadband access because it kind of we've known it's a chink in our our armor, but it, this has really exposed it. I believe the absolutely the, the thing I think that that's really impactful with that telehealth uh, appropriation, the three hundred million, is that 
you know, that's going to be a way for healthcare providers, uh, whether it's an allergist or maybe a physical therapist or whatever. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds on that, but it's going to enable them to continue to, to, to practice medicine and serve people and help people uh, in a time like this where they're not able to go in physically to the, the doctor's office. And I, I feel like that's like one of the key aspects of that. Is that my own point with that? Yeah, I think you're definitely right. And then if you think of uh, doctor's offices as, as small businesses yes. uh, who have other people besides the practitioners that are rely on mm. uh, that have jobs there, uh, exactly. you know, it keeps that business open and and, and it keeps that business uh, going. Absolutely. And uh, one of the issues we've had with telehealth and is we've tried to work with CMS, who does all the reimbursing for Medicare and Medicaid to try to get them in this time of emergency to accept just an audio call because a lot of people don't mm. have internet connection, yeah. but they have landlines, yes. particularly on the elderly. Yes. And uh, well, so we're still working that. So there's little nuances to telehealth that uh, we're working on. We've been working on the FCC. When we were in, we were down in Boone County and uh, I took one of the FCC commissioners there and, and they have a telestroke program. So if you go to the hospital in Boone County, yeah. if you're having a stroke, you can see the specialist at in Charleston at CAMC, but you, they can treat you there or at least triage you there in Boone County. And we know that time is of essence during a stroke. So if you can stop that there, uh, that's huge. That's Absolutely. huge. And yeah. and it's worked very successfully. Time saves lives. That's for sure. Exactly. So, exactly. Senator, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, the kind of you know, just I hear you know, just on a daily basis is some of these sole proprietors out there. This when we mm-hmm. talk about small businesses, we think of people on you know 500 employees or less. But these, you know, almost like micro businesses, sole proprietors, maybe like a hair <coughs> salon or a hair a plumber, right. you know, somebody like that. I you know they don't they not qualify for that pay te- paycheck protection program, the PPP, but the EIDL, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, may be something mm-hmm. that ha- you know. Uh, it applies to them. Is that some? Could you give us a little update on where that program yeah. is? Yeah, I would like to talk about the sole proprietors because I think they're really struggling. And actually, the sole proprietor would qualify for the PPP, okay. uh, and an independent contractor could qualify as a sole person in the PPP program. Now, remember, right now it's shut down. Hopefully, right, by right. the time everybody hears this, it'll be reopened. But you need to go to your lender for that. You also, if you want to look at the injury, uh, economic injury disaster loan, which is the EIDL loan, yes, uh, you can go to that. But you go to the SBA.gov uh, website to access that. Um, the problem with that is, is a similar problem as the PPP is there's not enough funding in it, but it's still an active uh, avenue for a sole proprietor. Sure. But one of the other things that a sole proprietor is going to be able to access that they haven't been accessed before. And that's going to be unemployment insurance. Mm. And uh, the state right now is beginning to uh, write the rules. The state doesn't normally cover that kind of an employee under unemployment. But under this emergency COVID uh, episode, it will because uh, we are, as the federal government, going to you know backstop that and pay for that. So I know Workforce West Virginia is working hard to get up to speed on this. I don't think they're quite there yet, but if, if there's a sole proprietor listening who's closed, who's shut, has no business, doesn't have options to have business, they need to check with Workforce West Virginia to see if they're eligible. Yeah, absolutely. That's great advice. Senator mm-hmm. Capito, what, can you speak to the, the forgiveness part of these, uh, the PPP mm-hmm. and the, uh, the other programs that are out there, the loan forgiveness? 
you know, I, I know when I talk to some folks, they're a little skeptical. Is that, is that really going right. to be, uh, a, 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 you know, a forgivable loan, so to speak, and it becomes a grant? Can you talk a little bit about that and your, your yeah. insight? Well, I know I've talked kind of all over the board, so let, I'll get everybody refocused back in to the PPP loan. <laughs> That's great. That's Thank the you. Paycheck Protection Loan, a, a Paycheck Protection Program, which is an SBA-backed loan through your lender. So mm-hmm. it's either through your your credit union or your bank, your community bank, mm-hmm. and you can do it on uh, online lending. So I don't know that we've had much success with that here in West Virginia, but that's an option. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you calculate uh, your expenses, your payroll, your mortgage, your rent, uh, and your uh, utilities. And payroll can include taxes, health insurance payments, and those kinds of things. You need to work with your lender to find out what's an allowable expense uh, to be forgiven. And you can, if you keep everybody on your payroll, now you can't not have people on your payroll. You have to have people on your payroll that you're paying that you can then have that eight weeks of having people on your payroll for eight weeks and running your business for eight weeks. The cost of that through rent and other things is the forgivable part of the loan. Mm. If you decide you need to pave your parking lot uh, with the loan, that's not forgivable. Um, That's a, that would be a straight up loan from the SBA. So that's the forgivable. It's payroll, mortgage, rent, payroll expenses and utility for an eight week period of time. And it's predicated on what your pay. Now your payroll has to be 75% of those costs. So if your rent is, you know, exorbitantly higher and uh, gets you out of whack on that, you need to check with your lender to make sure that what the forgivable portion of that, and they should be able to tell you that pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Senator Capito, one of the things that I keep thinking about uh, with regard to this uh, crisis that we're in, you know, anytime you're under pressure and anytime you're, you're having a massive disruption in the marketplace, I think innovation uh, comes to the forefront and we're in, in West Virginia, you know, we're, we're innovators, you know, we, we could, uh, we can make something out of a you know, piece mm-hmm. of scrap metal in the barn, you know, mm-hmm. and that's pretty mm-hmm. that's pretty neat and uh, part of our our culture and our heritage here as West Virginians. But I'm wondering, like, what are your thoughts on on innovation right now and some things that you might be seeing and and things where there might be some real opportunities as we as we work to come out of this uh, you know coronavirus well, situation. Think, yeah, I think one of the things that really ha- holds promise for really every every state, but I'd like to see West Virginia play a, a role here is because I think one of the things lessons learned we've learned from this is we didn't have the pharmaceuticals manufactured mm. in our country that we could access quickly. Yes. We didn't have the masks. We didn't have the gloves. We didn't have the swabs from the testing and we didn't have the reagent from the testing. The reagents made in Germany, the swabs made in Italy, pharmaceuticals and masks and other things in China. Well, the reason we couldn't get them because they needed them because it's a pandemic it's everywhere Mm -hmm. so what i think you're going to see from congress and i think west virginia could really tap into this is Mm. a resurgence of domestic manufacturing for our strategic stockpiles yes for and this is where i think west virginia could innovate i mean you're in morgantown Milan's right there why not i don't think they're full capacity that's a great place for us to step into that void Mm. and and so i think that the innovators need to look at things like that I think the innovators also need to look at one of the things that I think we're finding some trouble with is some of our education system, county systems are much better prepared for e-learning than others. Yeah. 
Um, I'm in, I live in Kanawha County. Apparently they'd already kind of gotten everybody up to speed about three or four years ago in, 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 in just, you know, I wouldn't say in anticipation of a pandemic, but anticipation they might need to use it. So they're all full up and running on their e-learning. And then I talked to other counties that aren't quite so fortunate. So I think to innovate that way would be a good way and help the students as well. And then, you know, I think also there's, um, you know, there's going to be a period of time where we're, we're still wondering uh, on the health issues, where, what are the vaccines? What are the therapeutics? Mm. Uh, how do we meet the challenge? How can we be sure we don't have it or not going to get it or have already had it? And, and there's a lot of space for innovation there, I think, on the health side. And certainly with our medical centers in, in Morgantown and in Huntington, uh, you know, there's lots of room for research there. So I see a lot of possibilities and the other thing for West Virginia, too, that I'm kind of excited about, I thought about yesterday, is when this whole thing comes down and hopefully maybe by June 1st, people starting to move around, mm-hmm. maybe even thinking about taking the family somewhere for the weekend. But they don't want to get on a plane quite yet mm. or their finances have you know not going to allow them to go to Hawaii. You know, come to West Virginia. Uh, yeah. Come out to the open spaces. I think the appreciation <laughs> for the open spaces is going to be a lot more after this. Then when you see the congestion of uh, New York City or somewhere else where bad things can get worse really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we've been we've been social distancing for a long time in a good way. Yeah, right. In a good way. That's, right, that, that's, right. a, that's a good selling point. And, and I, yeah. I, I love listening to your your vision for that, you know, that manufacturing. Uh, I think that yeah, there's there's some real opportunity there. And, you know, I, I, I just um you know, when we talk about, you know, bringing those kinds of products back into our country, I mean, I think it resonates with a lot of people. I think there's a there's a sense that I'm feeling like, yeah, let's start making stuff here again, you know. And West Virginia, mm-hmm. like you said, is, is absolutely poised to do that. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind with our proximity to the population, um, our, our, our natural resources and all that kind of stuff. I think it's uh, we're, we're definitely going to be ripe for that. And, I, you know, the other thing that kind of comes to mind uh, – Dr. Clay Marsh, I mentioned him a little bit ago. He he had mentioned that you know uh, you know we have the potential to be one of the first you know one of the early states, not the first, but one of the early states that can reopen back up, and you know the the um, the opportunities of of our you know the social distancing and the nature and the, all the amazing, amazing things that we have uh, to offer as a state that may be untapped. And I think this could be a, almost like a place where people could seek refuge and say, "Hey, let's start a company over there." They've got some really good workforce, very diligent people, uh, people that care a lot and have great work ethic. But plus, they have a, an amazing place to live too. So I think that there could be something there that we could really capitalize on uh, as, as we move forward. Senator Capito, I want to ask you uh, something. I, I'm, I'm a student of leadership, and one of the things that I'm interested in, in learning, just uh, maybe from your perspective, is uh, in Washington, going through this crazy month and a half, well, you've, you've been more in, into it since probably the first of the year or so, but what's, what are some leadership lessons that you're, you're taking away from, from this uh, last couple of months uh, dealing with this virus pandemic? Uh, well, w- one of the main leadership lessons I've taken uh, is that communication is critical. Uh, we see the president communicating every 
every day. We see the governor communicating every day. Yeah. I think these are absolutely essential because people are hungering to know not just what the latest is, but where your vision is for the future. Mm. So commute. And that's what I've been doing a lot, too, is communication. Mm. I also think listening is is at, is critical, too. You've got to listen to your experts. You've got to listen to your man on the street. You've got to listen to your uh, family members who, who have, uh, you know, are affected in different ways so that you can formulate how to really help people. Uh, because, uh, you know, sometimes helping one person hurts another and you have to know, you know, not, by listening, I think that you can key in on that. And then I guess the last thing I would say is, you know, don't be afraid to and bold to act. Uh, acting sometimes can be difficult for people and, and because you're, um, you know, maybe concerned that you might uh, either A, make a mistake or B, uh, be acting too quickly. I think mm. in, in emergencies, action, people want to see action. Mm. They don't want to see indecision. They don't want to see political squabbling, uh, mm. Republicans and Democrats for sure. Mm. And they want to see action and unity. And and so those are sort of the, the lessons that I've learned. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I always say I'm always learning this. I'm hoping to get to I'm trying to I have a program that works with young girls in West Virginia to try to get them to be those next leaders. But yeah. I always tell them I'm still learning uh, my way in some ways. So it's OK to yeah. to not be 100 percent sure. Absolutely. That's those are great takeaways, especially Thanks. for our audience to hear. And, and, and I think it's uh, it's kind of neat because, you know, I, I feel like just myself personally, some of my friends that I'm talking with, business owners and stuff, it's like, you know, we're making these decisions on stuff that, you know, information that's going to change tomorrow, you know, so you can't be afraid necessarily to make that decision and then be able to say, listen, we made that decision, but now we're going here, you know? Right. And I feel right. like uh, that's kind of what you're in a nutshell, what you're saying. And uh, I really appreciate that. Um, uh, Senator Capito, um, one thing I want to ask you too is, you know, is there... Maybe this is a little too personal, but is there anything that you've learned about yourself over the last couple of months uh, coming through this crisis that maybe, you know, as you're social distancing and, uh, you know, working from home, is there anything you've learned about yourself that maybe may have surprised you? Well, that uh, that is a good question. I, I've learned that um, how reliant we are really on one another. Mm. Um, and I, I think I learned about myself, too, that. Um, I do miss the social contact with people. I do miss the, the, you know, the non-worry of hugging my two-year-old grandchildren. Uh, I, I do miss that. Yeah. And, and I miss that. And I think, you know, going to church and, and mm. things that are, are important to you where you can see people and, and empathize and, and, um, and, you know, get good thoughts and, and, to each other. I, I really miss that part yeah, of it. Yeah. But I tell you what I do really enjoy is the recentering. I mean, obviously I live a life, this is pretty personal, but I live a life where I'm gone a lot. Yeah. I'm gone from my own house a lot. I'm gone from my own husband a lot. And, um, you know, getting to spend more time with him and maybe sometimes too much time with him, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it, but it, it's it's kind of I, I always try to look at what's the positive and, and that's a very positive thing. And so we've got now walked in the neighborhood and uh -huh. seen neighbors that I just don't get a chance to do those kind of social distance. Hello, that uh, yeah. 
maybe people get to do every day. That's so great. I guess cherish those moments, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I would say well, thanks. Thanks yeah. so much for sharing that. I, I, I yeah, think I really sure. appreciate you uh, you know, talking about those things too, because I feel mm-hmm. like it's, this is like a little bit of a reset for a lot of people, you know, and be able to kind of say, it is. take uh, assessment of what's going on and, and uh, make, I think it'll only make us stronger as we, as we move forward. Senator Capito, as we wrap up our time here today, what's the best way for people to learn more about you and maybe even get in touch with you? Well, I mean, obviously I have, uh, I have my, uh, website is at, uh, www.capito.senate.gov. Uh, and that's a good way to, to find me. I have my, uh, offices are working. My staff is working now. Uh, my Charleston office is 304-347-5372 or my DC office is 202-224-224. 6472. I have offices in Morgantown and Martinsburg as well uh, that you can get in touch with. I have I Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is, what is my Twitter? At Sen Capito. And my <laughs> Facebook is at Sen Shelley. Awesome. So I, I, yeah. And please don't hesitate to call and ask because this is what we're there for. This is, and this has been an important part of our response yeah. to this very strange time. That's great. Uh, and we'll make sure we have links to all that in the show notes Good. section of the podcast. Senator Shelley Moore Capito, thank you so much for being a part of our uh, our program today. I really appreciate you. You really shared a lot of valuable information for our for our listeners out there today. And I just want to say personally, I really appreciate your leadership and what you're doing there uh, on behalf of West Virginians and and the United States of America. Well, thank you, and uh, thank you because, as I said, communication and your fulfilling part of that is critical. I know we're all anxious to get back to normalcy uh, and. Hopefully uh, that will come to us sooner than later. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, that's it for today's Positively West Virginia Daily COVID-19 Business Briefing. My hope is that we brought some valuable insight that you can use in your business today as we all work to navigate these uncharted waters. I also want to take a moment to thank our sponsors for Positively West Virginia, and they are the Insurance Centers. The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media will be coming to you live every weekday as this pandemic continues with these special edition briefings. Uh, Monday at 2 o'clock, we have David Alvarez. He's the uh, chairman of the Board of Governors for West Virginia University. He's going to be talking about WVU's uh, game plan moving forward, as well as he's also a, a, a business owner and an entrepreneur and a very successful one here in West Virginia. On behalf of our entire Positively West Virginia team, I'm your host, Jim Matuga. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay positive, West Virginia. <laughs>